A lot of times I hear people say that they cannot understand the Bible. And they say, you know what, I, I want to and I make an effort to and I would, I would truly love to and, and they, they try and read it and they try and study it but it doesn't just uh, seem to make sense to them. And there's uh, several folks that'll say, well, I'm just not able to understand the Bible. And I see some people and they read it and it seems like, man, they, they get it, but I'm just not able to understand the Bible. And really that's kind of a common thing and I, I hear that very often. I will say today, parts of it are hard. Parts of it are very complex. And, and very honestly today, there are parts and there are verses that I have to say after I've read those verses, I, I'm really not sure what that is saying. And I'm not really sure the exact meaning of that. And there are complex places, hard things uh, for us to discern in God's word. But at the same time, I have to be honest with you this morning and to be very real with you this morning, I'll just tell you the truth. I don't have as much problem with the parts that I don't understand as I do with some of the parts that I do understand. And there are parts that when I read them, I say, man, that's, that's what I get. I understand that. That's very plain. That's, that's a no-brainer. God is saying this, and there's, there's no guessing to what he's saying, and yet I have a problem with it. It convicts me. It challenges me. It causes me to think differently. It causes me to act differently. And sometimes there's something and it's plain as day and I wish I did not understand it. And that seems to be a lot more of what's going on than parts that I do not understand. Do you know the Bible says it is the plumb line by which we operate. God's word is the, the plumb line. It is the standard by which we operate. Well, I want to tell you that's a hard thing in a crooked world. The Bible is the plumb line by which we operate. The Bible says that it guides our steps and paths. Now, I want you to think about how, how individual that is, how personal that is. The Bible, God's word, guides our paths, guides our steps. Well, I'll tell you the same thing. That is a hard thing when I want to set the course, when I want to pick the path that I would follow. The Bible says of itself that its logic is not the world's logic. Its wisdom is not the world's wisdom. In fact, the Bible says lost people can't really even understand it. And I'll just tell you, that's a hard thing when we're lured to be pulled back into the lost world. Well, today, I'll just tell you, it's, I'm afraid, going to be one of those times that our verses are plain to understand, but hard to hear. Our message today, as we continue, go back to our verse-by-verse -verse study in Luke's gospel, our message today is entitled, An Inconvenient Question, Who is Your Lord? An Inconvenient Question, Who is Your Lord? We're going to look in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. Jesus is speaking, Luke chapter 16, today verses 10 through 13. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 16, beginning here in the 10th verse. And again, Jesus himself is speaking and he says this. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. 
Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for his death on the cross where my price is paid. I'm thankful for his resurrection where the payment is received and he stands victorious. I'm thankful for his love. I'm thankful for his grace. I'm thankful for his sacrifice. I'm also thankful for his word. I'm thankful that through the word of God, you lead us and you teach us and you guide us. I'm thankful that you didn't leave us just to to hop around and to guess and to wonder, but you give us the truth of your word, recorded, written by men, inspired by your spirit. God breathed, having come out from you, your word for us, your people. We pray, I pray today as we study it, as we spend time in it, that you would speak to us and that you would teach us and that you might convict us if you, if you need to. But I pray that it wouldn't be a lecture that we come and we leave. It wouldn't be a, a class that we come and we, we take notes and put them away somewhere. But it would be an interaction with the truth of the living God. I pray that you would speak in this hour. I pray again that the result would be tremendous, that we would be changed. I pray for some in this room that do not know Christ, that, that today in the preaching of your word and the, and the drawing of your spirit in your will, that they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. I know it's your will that none should perish. I pray most of all that you're glorified in our assembly today, that the name of Jesus Christ is lifted high above every other name in this assembly today, and that you're glorified in it. I tell you, I love you and I praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Today, as we pick up again here in the Gospel of Luke, as we continue along in the 16th chapter, we return today to the subject of how we see our money, or we return to to the place that money and wealth holds in our lives. Now, let me just tell you right off the bat, and I'll just be honest with you here, If I were picking verses to preach on, and sometimes I think, you know what, if I could pick any verses, and if I had my choice, I would pick these verses. If I were picking the verses to preach on, if if I were directing the subject that I were to preach, you know what, I can just pick any subject, and I want to say this, and so I would pick that subject. I'll just be honest with you, I probably would not come to our verses today. Honestly, the week after Easter, after preaching the awesome message of a risen Savior in an empty tomb, after seeing what it means that he is not here for he is risen, come and see the place where he was lying. After those awesome verses, probably the last place I would come is to verses on money. However, as I have and as we have as a church committed to expositionally moving through the verses, I'm gonna trust today that God's word is living and active. I'm gonna trust that it is relevant, that it is timely. I trust that it is the truth, and I'm gonna trust that God has a message for us today in these verses. And so here we go this morning 
easy to understand, but maybe hard to hear. So we move into the 16 chapters, we continue in it. Remember the context here. At this, at this point in the 16th chapter, the Bible tells us Jesus is teaching, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now the Bible tells us in verse 14 of this chapter that while his primary audience is the disciples, those are his primary audience, the Bible says there in that 14th verses that the, the Pharisees, these religious people, they are also listening in. And that's the context. He's teaching his disciples. He's talking to his disciples. But these Pharisees, these religious people are eavesdropping. They are listening in to what he is teaching. And so it's in that context that we hear our verses today. Now, I, I imagine, and I'm, I'm sure of it, Jesus is speaking and he's teaching, but he's also aware of who's hearing, and I believe the message applies to all of them. And that's our context. Beginning here in the 10th verse, and we're going to look at each verse. The 10th verse says this. Jesus continues on and he says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Here in verse 10, Jesus starts with a very simple truth and it is this. Listen to this. Your character, your heart, if you will, your character is revealed in the handling of the insignificant. Hear that again. That's the wisdom that Jesus is telling us here. Your character is revealed. Your heart is revealed in the handling of the insignificant. Jesus says, he says, the truth is, he who is faithful, he who is trustworthy, he who does the right thing in a very little thing. Now notice that word very there. Not just a little thing, but a very little thing, talking about an insignificant thing there, a thing that's, that's really of no consequence, a in, an insignificant thing in a very little thing, if they're trustworthy in those things, Jesus says, they will be faithful in much. They will be trustworthy. They'll do the right things. You watch them when they handle the, the insignificant things. And if what they do is correct and what they do is righteous and, and you can trust what they do in the smallest of things, then you can trust in what they would do in the big thing. And then to reemphasize it, he restates it in the reverse. Jesus says then, and he who is unrighteous, he who is not faithful, he who is not trustworthy, the one who would not do the right thing with the small thing. And notice it again, it says the very small thing, the insignificant thing. He says they will also be unrighteous. They will be untrustworthy. They'll be unfaithful in the big thing. And again, the truth is your character is revealed in the handling of the insignificant. Very simply, Jesus says, if a person can't be trusted with the little things, then it should be of no surprise when they can't be trusted with the big things. Very simple truth. Today in our culture, everybody has an eye for the big time. 
Everybody has an eye for the big things and we want to be over much and we want to control much and we want to possess much and we want to have a big influence and we want to have big power and we want to earn and keep big positions. And yet the truth is here, the big things, those details are hashed out when you handle the small things. And that's the truth from Jesus' mouth. And I'll just tell you, the, the truth is, and, and Jesus is telling us this, if a person will lie and a person will cheat, and if a person will cut corners and be untrustworthy in the littlest of things, then they will do it even in the big things. And that's the wisdom, that's the proverb that Jesus gives here. You ever see that? You ever witness that? Somebody, you know, it's the smallest of things, and they say, you know what? this small thing, and it's an outright lie, and you think, well, that's not a big deal, that's, that's not important. Well, over here, this, this small thing, and, and they cut the corner, and nobody's looking, and they, they go around, well, it's just a small thing, and we think, you know what, somehow we'll entrust them with the big things, because in a big thing, surely they'll do the right thing, but you know what, they get the big thing, and they do exactly what they did in the small thing. It's the truth that Jesus is telling us here. You know what, if you're not trustworthy in the smallest, most insignificant, inconsequential thing, you're not gonna be trustworthy in the big things. That's the proverb, that's the wisdom. Look at verse 11, then he says, therefore, now he states the wisdom, he states the proverb, and now he's going to apply it. Here that is, now it's gonna be important, and then he says, therefore. See the application that Jesus makes. If you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, he's back on the subject of money, he's back on the subject of wealth. If you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, now follow the analogy here, unrighteous wealth is evidently the small thing. Now we might make it a big thing, but Jesus says here, it lines up with the small things. Then he says, who will entrust true riches to you? True riches evidently being the big thing. True riches, I wondered what that meant this week. What, what, what are these true riches? Well, the, the literal translation from the Greek means that which is of true value. The thing that holds and possesses true value. Jesus says, if you can't be trusted, if you haven't been faithful in the dealings with your money, now he's getting very specific here, then who would entrust you what is of true value? Who would trust things of true value to you? So again, I wonder what is this thing of true value? I have always heard it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I've heard that preached and I've heard that taught. And, and, and if we're not faithful in the use of our money, if we use it unrighteous, then we can't be trusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't be trusted to tell it. And we can't be trusted to proclaim it. And so the way I've always heard it taught is you won't be effective in the service of the Lord. And so here's this person and they've committed to the service of the Lord, but they're not faithful in the use of their money. They're not gonna be faithful in the, the trustworthy, the trust that God has placed in them in handling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I've always thought this was. The true riches, it must be the gospel. I'm afraid that's not what it means. In fact, I looked yesterday in seven or eight 
different commentaries and I looked in all the Bible translations that I could round up hoping that it doesn't mean what I think it means, hoping that it did mean the gospel, but I'm pretty sure it's not talking about the gospel here. Let's continue on, verse 12. And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's gonna be clear when we finish the 12th verse. And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own. Now see this, that which is another's. Again, Jesus is talking about wealth here. Jesus is talking about money here again. You see your wealth, it may belong to you now, but it belonged to somebody previously. And someday it's gonna belong to somebody after you. It is not our wealth that we possess. And as much as we'd like to claim it, as much as we'd like to hold on to it, as much as we'd like to hoard it, he says it's not gonna last. You can go back and read in the book of Proverbs. It says the same thing. Well, the Bible says if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, talking about your money, talking about your wealth, Jesus says, well, then who will give you that which is your own? Here it is. What is the only thing that is our own. What is the only thing that lasts once we possess it that we keep it? Now think about that. What is the only thing that you possess? What is the only thing that you receive that you have? And once you possess it, you keep it. Friends, it's not talking about the gospel. It's not talking about the gospel cause. Friends, it's talking about our salvation. It is referring to eternal life. In the book of John, Jesus says, when you believe, you have eternal life. You possess eternal life. I want to tell you, all other things, all other anything, earthly things, they are on loan. They are not ours. This is talking about our salvation. This is talking about eternal life. This is talking about our citizenship in the kingdom of God. Do you see how serious this is getting? Let's keep going. That's what the verse says. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. I wanna break that down. No servant. It's talking here to slaves. That was the example. No slave, no servant can serve two masters. Well, that makes sense. You couldn't serve two different masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Sometimes we've found, and we came across it recently, that in the Bible, to love or to hate or to hate someone means that you love to a lesser degree. And so love and hate can be just an ordering system. Well, I don't think that's what this means here. Continue on in the verse. Or either he will be devoted to the one and despise, now listen to the language, it's not talking about an ordering system, it's not talking about loving to a lesser degree, either you're devoted to the one or you, and you despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now get this this morning, see what Jesus is teaching. We see money today as a necessity. We see it as a resource. 
We, many of us see it as a goal, some kind of way that we, we keep score. Now be clear today, the Bible says that, that money by itself is neutral. It's, not, it's neither good nor bad, but Jesus is saying here, how we see our money, how we possess and, and hold our money, money no longer becomes a resource, but now money becomes our master and we serve it, and we worship it, and we seek it, and it becomes the devotion of our lives. And we wake up in the morning and say, how much money will I make today? And how much money will I spend today? And oh, what could I have if I had more money? And it becomes the devotion of our lives. Friends, the hard truth of today is this, either our love for money leads us away from faith in God, or our love for God leads us away from faith in our money. And the truth today is this, if money is what you seek, and if money is what you worship, and if you're crooked in the handling of your money, if you're not faithful in the handling of your money, and you're selfish, and you're greedy, and materialism consumes you, the Bible says you have the wrong Lord, and you're lost. I've never heard that. I didn't want to preach that. That's what it says. The thing that you can't lose, that's your salvation. If you're consumed by the, the, the desire for materialism and all those things, if you handle it unrighteous, you have the wrong Lord and you're lost. Now that's hard. That's not the Easter message. That's what the Bible says. But here's the good news. And don't you go out of here today without hearing the good news. This week, Jesus is still resurrected from the grave. Jesus is still our risen Savior. And this week, our hope still stands. And I want to tell you the truth of today is this. The good news of today is this. It doesn't matter what you've done with your money. It doesn't matter where you stand today. If you'll turn to him and if you'll say, Jesus, forgive me. I've made somebody else or something else my Lord. If you'll ask him for forgiveness, he'll come into your heart and he'll save you and you'll have that which you could never lose. Jesus is still the answer this morning. So very plainly, the question is this. So who is your Lord? Is it your money? Is it yourself? Is it your pride? Is it something else? Or is it, is he Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the truth of it. I'm thankful for the, the fact that you didn't soft sell it to us. You didn't, you didn't come and switch it at the last minute and say, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy, and lure us in and then say, well, here's the truth. I'm thankful for the dividing line, the plumb line of your word. And I pray that as we hear this today that we'll evaluate what we have sought after, what we have chased, what we have made the Lord of our life. And if it's not Jesus Christ, I pray that we would repent that we would turn to you and we would find the hope that still stands in Jesus. Pray that you've spoken to us. Pray that you continue to speak. Pray that in the conviction of sin, we're not ground up where we go out and, and we're beat down, but we turn and we look and we find the hope we're, we're counting on in Jesus Christ. Pray for some in this room that need to make changes, all of us. Pray for some in this room that need to find Jesus. 
pray that today would be that day. Let us be forever changed on this day. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.